0: Hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Duval Dims podcast. Today, we have a special guest with that is with us, Dr. Tracy Polson, who is running for City Council at Large Group 3. The special election for that seat is on February 22nd of 22. If you are unfamiliar about why this office is up for election, uh, we're letting you know. Uh, Now that the late Tom Hizuri passed away on September 11, uh, he had served on city council for more than six years. Uh, He was in his final years as city council president when he uh, lost his long-running battle um, to lung failure. Um, So a special election was called to replace him. Uh, A runoff election occurred on December 7th in which Dr. Tracy Paulson came in first. Uh, And we're excited to have her on the podcast so we can learn more about her campaign and why you should be voting for her when ballots start to be sent out. Whether you're signed up for vote by mail, which you can sign up today by going to stampthevote.com, ballots get sent out on January 10th, um, or if you want to early vote, which occurs in mid February. So, Tracy. Uh, I'm going to ask you that proverbial question that a lot of people always ask candidates. Why on earth are you running for office?
1: (laughs) Well, thank you, Daniel. Uh, It's great to be here. And thank you also for telling folks the very important details about our voting dates, because as you know, this is a special election. Um, Things are happening very quickly. And early voting is the 12th through the 20th of February. Every Duval registered voter can vote in this election. A lot of people get confused about what that means in terms of an at-large city council. So I just want to give a shout out um, to let folks know that if you're registered to vote in Duval County, you can vote for me. Um, So, you know, there's sort of, I think about why I'm running in two ways. One, I think about it um, as a response to the presidential election in 2016, when like thousands of women all across this country, my hair was on fire and I wanted to do something. Um, to sort of push back against um, what I felt was a really dangerous direction that our country was taken, taking, and that has only been confirmed by um, many things over the last few years, both nationally, but even more importantly, here locally in Jacksonville. So, you know, I ran for the Florida House in 2018, and I was really fortunate to be endorsed by Tommy Hazori during, during that race, um, and it was close. And what really prompted me to run at that time is similar to why I'm running this time, which is I didn't realize that the the Republican establishment literally picks handpicks people and says, this seat's for you, which, as you know, that was the case in 2018 when my opponent um, was sort of handpicked. And I just found that to be offensive. And so, you know, threw my hat in the ring and, um, as you know, became very close to winning that seat similar to this race um, as a pushback against that same sort of um, narrative. But the stakes feel even higher now because we've seen folks here um, try to sell JEA. We've seen the Lot J debacle, and we know that corruption is deep, deep in city government. And so in a very particular way, my campaign, my throwing my hat in the ring is is a strong no and a resistance to that level of corruption. More personally, though, I think it really fits to um, sort of why I became a social worker. Um, And I haven't talked a lot about this um, publicly, but I grew up in a family with domestic violence and learned very early that sometimes the people who are supposed to love and care and protect you can be the people that hurt you the most. And so it really created in me a lifelong desire to want to understand why, like why people do the things that they do, why people hurt the ones that they love. And that, that is part of um, a main reason why I became a social worker is because I wanted to understand that. But even more so, I wanted to be a part of helping people who had had similar situations and circumstances that I grew up in understand and heal. And most of all, to prevent that from happening again. And so one of the ways that I sort of frame this is that I know what it's like to stand up to bullies, to say no, to not um, allow yourself to be taken advantage of, to claim your power. And I think we see that in a lot of ways um, in terms of just our very right to vote, right? But for me, this election is important because I'm taking a very public stand, as I said, and pushing back against the corruption the cronyism that we're seeing here in Jacksonville, because those are not our values. And people here in this community who love this city the way that I do deserve better. And so I'm offering them an alternative to the same old, same old by voting for me in February. So I would like to know what are
0: your top three issues?
1: So thank you, Nakina. You know, I feel like, as I said, like this whole business about pushing back against corruption is really advocating for more transparency. And so everything that I do, um, both in this campaign and also if I'm elected, is to give voice to that, the need for transparency, the need for voters and and people in our community to understand exactly what is happening. So I just wanna sort of frame it in that sort of overarching way. One of the things that I began talking about shortly after I filed when I was on First Coast Connect with Melissa Ross was talking about the Safer Together Committee. And this was a committee that Tommy Hazori had created when he was council president. And he had asked um, council member Michael Boylan and council member Joyce Morgan to co-lead that. And it was a series of conversations with various stakeholders in the community to talk about the lack of trust between police and um, communities of color and various neighborhoods. And over several months, this group met and out of that came this 52 page report that I've read now several times. And one of the main suggestions that came from that report was to expand an already existing program. I believe it's a pilot program with a JSO, which is the Mental Health Co-Responder Program. And that pairs a licensed mental health professional with a police officer to go out on crisis calls to de-escalate and to prevent folks from being um, taken to the Duval County Jail when really what they might need is mental health treatment. And so we know that mental health is a huge area in our community that's only been exacerbated by the pandemic. Um, And so this this program has a real opportunity if it's expanded, which would mean making sure that there's one mental health professional in every um, zone on every shift. So we're talking about 18 positions, I believe. And when I just think about what that can do to create more trust in our city, Um, as well as help folks get the help that they need rather than punishing them and sending them to jail, which will only be more traumatizing. That is something that I have a lot of energy around advocating for and talking about because it really dovetails with my own um, profession as a licensed clinical social worker, but also what we're hearing about and seeing when we think about the impact of violence in our community. So that's that's um, a main area that I'm really excited to be able to um, advocate for. And the other thing that we've seen recently is the real, is the need to get back to basics and for our city government to follow through and take care of the very um, services that they that we pay taxes for. And so of course I'm talking about um, reinstating our recycling, but also having reliable trash pickup. This just feels like a basic service that I think folks, um, you know, we pay for and we should be able to do as a major metropolitan city. Another area that we've talked about um, on the campaign is um, climate change and climate justice. We are a city that is surrounded by water. We know what it looks like when after a heavy rain, when there's major flooding in some of our neighborhoods. um, We know that. We had Mayport Naval Station, which, as you all know, is um, a part of our Navy community here. And they have asked for 12 feet of mitigation, which which means that they are taking very seriously the the threat to our our city and the Naval Station and are asking for that 12 feet. We're also talking about the need for um, heat mitigation and understanding that in communities and neighborhoods where there's more asphalt; those that concrete and asphalt traps heat, and with a lack of tree canopy, um, we see folks presenting with heat stroke and dehydration. And so, there's a lot that we can do at the local level to combat that. Um, and then, I think the last thing that I would say is that we are thinking about the impact of um, the pandemic on small businesses. So. We've lost 30% of small businesses downtown. And what I would like to see is that we have much more of a transparent and streamlined process so that small businesses can bid on and win city contracts and don't feel sort of left out or don't feel like they have a seat at the table um, and that those contracts just go to the same old people. So that's something else that we're talking about.
0: Thanks, you thank you, Tracy, for that. And, and that kind of leads me to my next question. And I'm glad you kind of mentioned your previous run because I think I ran through that entire campaign with this joke about how I never heard his voice <laughs> the entire campaign. You ran <laughs> commercials. You never heard his voice at all. He was handpicked. Um, frankly, as as one of the lobbyists that they could use as a way for them to play both a role as a legislator and um and um, as a lobbyist at the same time. Um and we're, we're kind of seeing the same kind of dynamic for this race. So how are you different from your opponent? Because I think that's one of the other key points that are really important for voters to know in this race.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, first of all, <clears throat> as a woman, I'm I'm different <laughs> in that regard. And, um, you know, I think women bring a very different sensibility to yeah. solving problems. Um, yeah to uh, decision-making. And so that is something that I offer, but I think even more importantly, I think my opponent is very similar to what we've had too much of in the city, which is he's been bought and paid for by lobbyists. And this isn't rhetoric. Like if you go and look at his campaign reports, um, the bulk of people who have given him money are real estate developers, um, political consultants, land development, construction and political committees. <clears throat> I believe there are two people um, who have given him money that were implicated in the attempt to sell JEA. So when I think about the Lot J debacle, when I think about how some politicians have been bought and paid for by developers and folks who want to put money in the hands of their, um, you know, uh, friends and cronies. I mean, this. I think this guy is just more of the same. And I think Jacksonville deserves better than that. Um, So, you know, I'm a licensed social worker. I'm a mental health professional. I've worked over 20 years um, as a deep and thoughtful listener and problem solver. And I think that that is what really sets me apart from uh, my opponent. And besides that, I literally cannot be bought. There's nothing that I can be offered because I'm not a lobbyist. I don't run a nonprofit. Um, So I feel like in a very particular way, I am um, immune to that.
0: So with you saying that you're not being you're not bought and you are totally running um, independently. What is it like? to be a female candidate, a woman running for office up against basically the establishment of the Republican party?
1: Well, um, you know, it's interesting because after the uh, first election on December 7th, I had all kinds of people reaching out to me, um, texting me and calling me and sending me emails and telling me everything that I did wrong um, you know, what I was wearing, my hair, my clothes, you know, um, asking me all these questions and I just couldn't help it. Th- and some of them were well-meaning, but I also couldn't help but think if I were a man, would somebody be asked talking to me about my hair or my clothes? And I don't think that they would, right? Like women are just held to a different standard and we're typically judged on our looks. And so that means our hair how much, um, you know, our body type, whether we're tall or short or thin or not, Um, and a lot of the ways that I think that we um, do a disservice to to women in general in our culture, which is to judge them by what we see on the outside. Um, And so I'm really thoughtful about that as it pertains to the conversations that I have um, one-on-one with people, you know, talking in in a podcast like this, or... You know, speaking in front of a large group of people. I'm very mindful that people do still judge us by how we look. And women in a very particular way get held to a different standard. Um, and so what I try to do is I try to talk about the issues. I try to talk about my values and how the values of myself personally, professionally, um, and also this campaign is very different than what we're seeing at too many levels of city government, which is the pay to play, the good old boy network, and that sort of level of cronyism and corruption. You know, Like I said, Jacksonville deserves better. And I think if people um, want to elect me and if they'll vote for me, that they will see a very different kind of leadership that I will continue do what, doing what we're doing in the campaign, which is to hold town halls, to have to give folks access to me so that they can ask me questions. You know, I don't have all of the answers, but um, I'm a pretty smart person and I have made a pledge to be transparent, to help people understand what the pros and cons are of any matter that comes before city council. But I think most of all, to really look at it through the lens of what is best for Jacksonville, for this city, for Duval, for the regular folk who live here and not the people who have easy access to those in power.
0: I really appreciate you answering it that way because it, it, it leads me to the final question that I have and it kind of wraps everything all into one. Um, a lot of people in Jacksonville when they think about who their city council person is they always more or less sometimes think about their district council person because that's a confined district that's really small that represents old thousand people but the at-larges, which is one of the seats that you're running for, is always the, the ones, the five that no one thinks of, but everyone gets to vote for. So can you talk about why you thought it was important to run, not only for Tommy's seat, but why this specific at-large seat is critical in a time like this um, for the city and, and for you as a candidate?
1: Well, in some ways it was serendipitous. I mean, I certainly could not have predicted um that Tommy was gonna go into hospice uh, in August. Like that, you know, my, my stepdad passed away in July after living almost 20 years with a heart transplant. And I sort of had this idea in my head that Tommy had a lot of time left. And so it was sort of a shock when he went into hospice, but I had been thinking about possibly running for this seat when he was term limited in 2023. Um, And for a couple of reasons. One, I think I have something to offer public service um, for all the reasons that I mentioned during the podcast. But also, I love the idea of being able to represent entire county of Duval and the diversity of that um the fact that it's not just a particular area but it's literally north side and west side and south side and the beaches and um and i've had a lot of opportunity to to move around in in all of those areas and meet a lot of different people um, who love this city and so i feel like this is an opportunity for us to keep that in mind you know that just like tommy's legacy Tommy loved Jacksonville. He loved Duval. He gave his life to public service. And he was known for being pragmatic, for you know, solving problems, getting things done. He could be, um, he would work across the aisle and he could also be very partisan. And one of the ways that I think about that is that I think he was really true to his values. And that was making Jacksonville the center of what's good for Jacksonville, what's good for the people of Duval at the center of his decision-making. And so that is part of his legacy that I I hope voters will allow me to continue um, when they elect me on February 22nd.
0: I like how you ended that, when they (laughs) elect you. Um, But in order for them to elect you, they need to make sure that they get out and vote. So if you're listening to this podcast, can you tell people how they can get connected with your campaign, how they can help and what the best way for them to be able to contribute to you is?
1: Yeah, and you know what? We should probably do a podcast on what it takes to run a campaign, especially <laughs> a Duval yeah. County-wide campaign. Uh, so true, that, it's intense, right? and most people have no idea. Um, but as you know, I think we ran a really effective campaign in round one, and we're gonna we're gonna continue doing that in round two. For folks who want to get involved. Um, Email us through our website, which is polsonforjacksonville.com, P-O-L-S-O-N for Jacksonville, Jacksonville, all spelled out. We need help with um, knocking on doors. Um, We are going to have an aggressive field campaign, a digital campaign, a uh, mail campaign. We're going to be texting. We're going to be calling. We're going to be making the rounds all over the city. Um, will be on television. So all of that um, takes resources, both volunteer and money. So there's there's also ways to donate. If you're not comfortable knocking on doors, you can make a donation to the campaign. Um, so yeah, I would just really encourage folks. This election really matters because it is sort of the doorway to what's going to happen in 2022. And then our municipal elections in 2023, when we'll elect a new mayor and a new sheriff among other Um, elections. So I'm excited about that
0: too. I appreciate that. And also one additional thing it's holding the line on the number of Democrats that we have on city council right now too. We have 19 city council members. Um, Before Tommy died, we had six Democrats that represented us that gave Republicans a supermajority on council that is at risk of receding. If we make sure we don't make sure that Tracy wins this election, which she will. um, And it's going to be because of people like you. So uh, she's giving you all the information you need. No excuses. You know her website. You know how you can contribute. You know how you can, can do some GOTV for her. So we're going to end with that. So that way you can make sure that you can go online right now. Uh, and visit our website and find out more information about how you can log on to um, her campaign. But I just want to thank you so much for joining us for our podcast. Thank you for Nakina for for helping us out with the questions. And if you want to listen to another episode um, of our our streaming service, you can uh, join us on Mondays. We release an episode. We're available on all the podcast platforms you can think of. uh, And we'll hear from you soon.